Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Galaxy Geekdom Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Crystal Williams. My pronouns are she, her. And joining us yet again is our good friend and I would say honorary gal, Anthony Gramilia. I am an honorary gal now. I will I will accept that title with honor. Uh, hello again. My name is Anthony. I am back again because Crystal was like, hey, Anthony, can you, can you hang out and talk? I'm like, yeah, cool. And then she put a mic in front of my face and was like, now we're going to record. I lured you here with a promise of friendship. But really, I just wanted you to exploit your, your voice for my podcast. <laughs> and uh, now you're I stuck am very here. Good at, that is a pretty accurate, actual, like, Fairly in, accurate. like uh, impersonation of me. Would you um, like the, you like the maniacal laughter, the too? 15 minutes of – yeah, you, you, you truncated that maniacal laughter. It went on for, like, 15 minutes. Yeah, I, I'm surprised you kept that much breath in your lungs. That's actually more impressive than anything else. <laughs> you have to say, like, deep sea diving, because, like, you can hold your breath for a while. That's pretty impressive. Not going to lie. <laughs> so, yes, we are back, and we're going to have some fun and talk some shit. Uh, mm. I'm going to jump into something quickly, because I, I just want to vent it here. Uh, right, let's do it. Let's vent. Uh, so I became the ire of a certain uh, internet celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, inadvertently, uh, in in relation to her other co-hosts, but I will not speak on her behalf because that's not fair. Um, I will say, uh, so I gave you Anthony a little bit of a truncated version of of the events. Do you, yeah, you, do you did. did you get? Do you did you, did it, like was it enough to like be like you understood it or I understand it, but anyone listening here may not know what you're talking about, so we may have to explain it again for their sake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I so followed I... You enough. All right, so certain other co-hosts, and I'm not going to name names because she's already been through enough. Uh, made a made a thread based on uh, a video that was posted. That was a clip taken from your movie sucks. Uh, um, is it Garfield? Is it the Garfield? Like idea? his Garfield reaction, and it's yeah. a clip where he's kind of pointing this scene out where it says like, "Hey, this thing looks artificially generated, or at least I forget exact term. Like AI, I AI generated. Yeah, it's but like no, didn't exactly use AI. It was just something about like it was another term. Um, I didn't really care enough. So it's not something I would normally comment on because I really don't give a shit and I don't even really know who this guy is outside of like he has some followers online. Like I actually know that's... I know a little bit about this guy, so I, I have context in this one. So keep going, keep going. Uh so uh yeah, I do, I don't really know him other than I've known his name around for a while, but I don't I never really followed him. Um you know in my sort of call-out post, and it wasn't intending to be a call-out post, um, I don't think I did as great of a job as uh, laying out the evidence as maybe I could have, but also I was blocked immediately. So basically once this other person – let's go back to that – made yeah. the thread, it was pointing out a little bit of the hypocrisy of complaining about AI but also using AI. Um, yeah, he's used AI before in certain things. Right. Not allegedly, and, uh, he's just done it. <laughs> and apparently he uh got permission of the actor, which is fine, right? Um and sent some other person <laughs> uh a DM about it. Now, I had posted the DM out of context in my own thread, but I didn't explain it well enough. I don't think inherently the act of like Correcting someone if they are misguided or whatever is like a bad thing to do uh, at all. I don't think that's an inappropriate thing. Um, but I will say it takes it to a weird fucking level when you are essentially what he he did was he didn't really I didn't see him really go after the original person who made that video or at least clipped it out. He went after like someone that's only tangentially like related in a quote tweet, um, mm-hmm. and like the message, whatever. Um, but the fact that he signed into two separate Twitter accounts, alt accounts, to continue a fight is fucking weird. That's weirdo behavior. Do you agree with that? 
I would say he's oversensitive, certainly. Which is funny yeah. considering that his average review. I mean, let's be honest. Your movie sucks his average movie review. It's like a 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10. For someone so critical, I do have to admit it's odd he's so sensitive to criticism. Especially valid criticism. Like, yeah, there's, there's context that can help. You know, whatever. I don't think anyone involved uh, would have continued if, they, if context was provided and said, hey, listen, uh, I see your point, but, you know, you're wrong for this reason. And that would have been the end of it. Like, just do that, and you're good. You're good. And also, everyone here is a reason, reasonable person. They can, like, you know, if they're, if they're confronted with evidence that proves them wrong, they'll bow out with some dignity and grace. Um, which, um, but, which certain other person that I'm refusing to say names because I'm, def- I'm desperately trying to, like, keep, yeah. you know, any negative attention off, um, did under that thread say that that it was brought to her to her attention mm-hmm. um it was very clearly uh stated um underneath but that wasn't enough for my ms um no it's this over exaggerated oversensitive blowout reaction that is what we considered stalking and harassment because he has over 200,000 followers on Twitter. And millions uh, on YouTube. Millions on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Guys, that is an, that That's an immense amount of power that you can wield against somebody much smaller than you. Um, Especially like and I think, he, I think he knows that. I think he knows that, which is why he would do the thing where he would, he would like, quote, tweet or that, and then immediately block. Well, yeah, that's so the that thing right did. there, isn't it? He wants to right. he, he wants to bully someone, or uh, not bully, that's the wrong word. He wants to bombard them uh, quickly and then avoid all conflict. And he'll only do that with people who are, are smaller than him. Because if he did it with an accountant just as large as him, he'll have to deal with the, the fallout of feuding with a big presence online. Because he's going after someone who's relatively has less influence, well – you can get away with whatever you say because it's it's your story against theirs and you have the bigger voice. So it's 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 very uh cowardly, I think, behavior to do that. And especially to frame it as harassment and stalking when you're logging into alts and harassing someone else. That's to me very wimpy behavior. It's very yeah. childish. And again, I have no horse in this race. I'm not involved in anything. I don't care enough to even watch the Garfield video. Like, I really don't care. Uh, then again, I haven't cared about I guess that, I didn't care either. Since, my whole, I haven't, I haven't yeah, cared my about your movie sucks since he, he shared his opinions on David Lynch. So after that, I was like, I don't give a crap what you have to say. You're just wrong all the time. Um, I just find it funny how he's so critical of all these movies that come out. He's very harsh. He's a very harsh critic. But he can't take what he dishes out. Like that makes that, that to me, I, I find a little, a little rough because it, it, I never say something that I couldn't bear hearing myself. When I dish out criticism, I expect to receive it, like right now. Uh, but when he's dishing out criticism, he clearly can't take mild criticism in return. That to me, I find a little, for a number of reasons. Uh, very uh, exhausting, <laughs> very frustrating to hear about. That's my opinion. Uh, and and, and you yeah. have to you too, Crystal. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't really know who he is other than famous person. I don't know his opinions. I don't know the controversy surrounding him. Um, I don't think I even saw his face until uh, I saw that little clip. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I really had no gain, no stake in this other than I saw someone who was much bigger wielding their power against someone I care about. Um, and I can't, like, not sit back and watch a bully take take place. Did I do necessarily the best job of collecting all the screenshots to provide the evidence? Probably not. But I also was blocked. So the only reason I saw some of the shit was because I do have all the accounts, but they're not used in any, like... Um, 
they're not used to actually like harass people or whatever. I, I, I can, you know, I have a very private account that I only share with people that I'm close with. And then I have access to the gals account. Um, but that's the only way I saw some of it, or at least did the little trail back to how this, all this harassment started because I didn't yeah. even get the notification of replies or quote tweets. It may have shown up, but I was probably working, uh, which yeah. I do a lot. Uh, it's like, well, he's perpetually online. So like he lives online. So, you know, there you go. Right. And that, that's what was cowardly. And the fact that he framed it as like us doing the stalking and harassing when it's literally just saying, Hey, it's really kind of shitty that you did this thing. Um, and it's really inappropriate. Um, but you know, he got to play big whiny victim, um, got to frame it as stalking and harassment. And as someone who's infinitely smaller, there's nothing you can do or say to change the minds of fans that will blindly accept anything he puts forth as the ultimate truth. Oh, no. I am the when your voice evil, is loud trans boy. Yeah. Yeah. When your voice is loud enough, then nothing can be heard over that. So who cares? You know, from their perspective, they, from their perspective, the opposing perspective doesn't exist because they oversimplify it and they ignore everything else to that fault. And you know, as someone who's gotten into a couple other internet fights already with YouTubers, um, usually, usually the YouTuber's opinion gets more people's attention because they have an audience outside of social media. You know, they have they have their YouTube audience, they have their video audience, and as a result, whatever they say reaches people who wouldn't normally ever hear your perspective because Twitter is a very limited user base compared to YouTube. I, yeah, I also had the idea that, like, that they were saying that I was lying, but then when there was, like, proof that these things kind of happened, it was the immediate turnaround where I was like, I literally saw someone say, was like, well, I would continue a fight if I, you know, if I got, if I got blocked and someone was, you know what I mean? Like, they were mm-hmm. justifying that behavior and it's, and it's really weird. And then I pointed out, in addition, the transphobic replies and stuff that I had gotten and of course, I can't do that because I can't blame him for it, even though he is the one who has this giant platform. And when you put someone on blast who's much smaller and also marginalized, uh, you know, picking on a trans person, that's yeah. inherently a thing that's going to be a consequence for that. And you can't, like, shirk that responsibility away. You have to be extremely careful. And being told that, like, Oh, he's not transphobic. He's just, he has a trans editor. I don't give a fuck. Like, it's like, what? The best, is it, are we doing the trans best friend thing? You know? And the thing is, like, I don't know if he's being transphobic. I think what he is is be, he's attacking people who are smaller than him in terms of online presence. I, I think that's I think what comes so down too. To. I just also think, I just didn't want to give, I didn't feel emotionally like giving the benefit of that, of the doubt in that situation. Because if you're supposedly al- an ally, wouldn't you fucking know that doing this exposes to be people to abuse in that way? Or do mm-hmm. you just not care? Or do you not know? Like, honestly, if you don't know, that just kind of makes you ignorant. I mean, the thing also is, anyone that big, if they say anything, are going to draw, like, assholes to the fight, no matter what you mm-hmm. do. You know, someone that large, even if only a fraction of a percentage of your audience is an asshole, you're going to draw assholes, and they're going to be cruel. And you have to accept, shoulder some responsibility with that. You have to know, hey, this is going to happen. Do I want to engage in this fight or not? You have to make the choice. And apparently his ego was more important than that particular situation. Uh, but again, that's responding to this particular, this particular criticism already told me his ego was more important. Because why would you even engage with that discussion? At, at what point does anything involving anything with this talk really matter in the scheme of this guy's career? Not, not, not at all. Who cares if some rando says you used, you know, AI? He did. Because as far as 
you know, he knows everyone else is a rando. So why does he care what some random person thinks? Well, because his ego's involved. That's what it comes down to, I think. Uh, I think and you're right. It's just it, it, what it what it what it says is he wasn't thinking of anything but defending his reputation because that's how fragile it is in his perspective. But again, this is a guy who's made his career being a critic. So, what does it say to me that a critic can't handle some criticism? Yeah. Tells me that not that good of a critic, you know? If they're that afraid of people talking back to them, responding to them, then they clearly aren't that good at being a critic. And it's not to say I that... I mean, he did get kind of caught for saying he didn't finish a movie that he saw. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, he said that many times. He's had that many, he's, he's had many snafus over the years. I used to like the guy's content, but, like, as I've gotten older, I've really, you know, because when I was younger, like, you, you first get in the movie criticism field, and you're like, oh, wow, so, and by the way, again, establishing context, I am an actual movie critic. I'm not just some guy, I, I, I've actually, I'm, I'm counting on Rotten Tomatoes in some reviews as, like, an actual certified critic. Uh, not certified, but, uh. Oh, critic. Because certified critic is like Rolling Stones and stuff like that. Anyway, so one of the principles of criticism for film is that you're supposed to look at a film and go, okay, what is the filmmaker trying to accomplish? How do they do so? And what got in their own way? Right? Those are simple tenets of film criticism. Yeah. But Young Movie Sucks is the kind of critic who kind of goes in that micro, micro issues kind of thing where it's like, Again, looking at the Garfield review, which I did actually, I watched a clip of it. I, watched, I didn't watch the whole thing, I watched a clip of it. And it said to me how he complains that Garfield, one of the kids in the background of, a Gar, of the Garfield movie, eat a meatball in one bite. He spends a minute talking about this. And obviously it's an animation shortcut. It's not, they try to stylize it, but it, it is a shortcut in animation to avoid having to animate the meatball being chewed and changing shape and all that in, in CG animation. I get that. But really, who cares? How does that affect the tone of the scene? How does it affect the information relayed by the animation? It doesn't. So it's like, who cares? He hyperfixates on details that just aren't important to the film's overall impact on the audience. Um, and like, it, it gets to the point where you're like, I, I just. I just can't stand dealing with that kind of level of inane criticism where it's like, this is not helpful to my understanding of the film. It doesn't give me a sense of how the film feels when you watch it. You're just pouring over frames of animation, frames of cinema, and making a judgment call about a whole con piece of content based on those small little things. And yeah, you can make the argument that like attention to detail is important to these small things add up, but it's like, at a certain point, who cares? <laughs> you know? It's a very cinemascence style thing, but without the veneer of having a humor. Oh, you know, having it be satiric, apparently satirical. Well, he takes know. himself very seriously. Uh, he, he, yeah. he, he frames his comedy, but he takes himself very seriously. Like, he, he uh, with a lot of his films, he averages like a 6 or 7 out of 10. Mm. And it's a high rating for him. He insists on finding faults because he can't be like I, I don't know how many movies he's, he's ever given an eight out of ten like probably very minimal I, I haven't kept track of, of him recently so I don't know if he gave something like uh, I think he gave a bad review also to uh, everything everywhere all at once I think but I I, I I haven't watched him in years so I can't say for sure I think I just heard to the great he gave it a bad review and it's like you know a certain point. At what point do you just say you have bad taste? He also does not like David Lynch and thought Eraserhead was um, pointless. He didn't get Eraserhead. So Eraserhead is definitely a Lynch film that I haven't marked off my list, but I have a feeling I'll probably oh. love that film. Eraserhead's great. Like, that's real. Like, you want to have David Lynch unfiltered. That's Eraserhead. It is so I out I love there. David Lynch unfiltered, yeah. 
No, it's it's out there. It, it's nuts. But again, it's nuts in a way that's like really clever because you can draw a lot of meaning from it. Like Lynch has never revealed the actual meaning of the film, but like at the same time, he doesn't really need to. It's such a deeply personal film about fatherhood and everything. It, it's a great movie, but it's um. It also is a woman who appears in a, in a, in a radiated with chipmunk cheeks. So take that as you will. It's a weird I've seen movie. some of the, I've seen some of the uh, prosthetics and stuff like that. Um, but oh, yeah. I I, I want to actually see the full film. I know his his works tend for an, av- an average film goer analyzing David Lynch. I don't think you can really like fully grasp it without I would say being willing and um, like emotionally in it like mature enough to like think about his work as not trying to make literal sense but more being works of art and metaphor and that you mm. can read interpretation from um it's like yeah, it's looking at like a painting that's abstract and then finding those little pieces of like or beauty in them you know i would say Eraserhead is like when you go to go to the art museum you find like the paint splatter paint portrait yeah, and the more you stare at it, the more you realize, oh, there's shapes and patterns, and then you start to get like, and then you, and then you look at the same picture while high on on marijuana, and you see a very different way. <laughs> it's David Lynch is like that. Eraserhead's like that without the marijuana. You just watch it, and your mind goes, your mind melts watching it. It's a fantastic film. Um, there's a few other movies too that he did that I think are fantastic. In fact, most of the films he's done are fantastic, but. It just feels like amazing. Uh, Drive. I'm a I'm I'm a Twin Peaks fan, so oh, I think yeah. Twin Peaks is great. I think Lost Highway is great. Was phenomenal. Um, Lost Highway. Uh, yeah. Elephant Man. I, I even like his Dune adaptation, even though he hated it. I like Dune. I like I think Dune's good. Um, even the Straight Story, surprisingly, is pretty good. Wild at Heart. That, Wild at Heart was Lynch, right? I think so. I don't think I've seen that. That was with Nicolas Cage. Okay, probably. I need it's, to like good. finish his filmography. You know. Mm. And we need the Inland Empire. Let me know. Okay, I'll, I'll watch it all. I like his work a lot. I, I like his work enough that I've bought several on. You know, like oh um, heck yeah, like hell Blu-ray yeah. and stuff like that. So um, I'll say this right now. I'll, uh, I'll say this right now. Um, Inland Empire. It's his weirdest film. Uh, weirder than Eraserhead, I'd say, but not in a way that makes sense. It's more just incoherent. But I feel like that's part of the vibe. It really is an incoherent movie by design. It feels like he just wrote the script that day for each scene and then edited, edited it out of order. Because that's kind you of know, what that's, happened. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a, what happened. That's a, it's a potential. I mean, that that. <laughs> I mean, sometimes that's what you do with experimental films, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, none of it is as experimental as, say, uh, Blue. Is that Derek Jarman? I think it was Derek Jarman who was the director's name, um, who did Blue, um, where the whole movie is just 90 minutes of a blue screen with, like, people talking behind it. It is a strange movie, but uh, I think it is quite good. Huh. It's about his struggle with AIDS. Interesting. Oh, yeah. You heard, you, yeah, it's a weird movie. No, I haven't seen it. That sounds really interesting, actually. Sometimes art doesn't have to, like, make sense in the way that you... Like, no, it, no. Yeah, it doesn't have to like make literal sense, which I think a lot of like YouTube film criticism has unfortunately taken the genre of film, or you know, the medium of film, and turned it on its head in a way that like they just don't get the point, where they get so lost in the minutia of trying to find like technical details that are wrong or off, and. Mm-hmm. It just misses, like, the point of art and expression, uh, in my opinion. 
100% agree. They get too um, caught up in they get too caught up in technicals, and they and they miss the point of the film. Often they 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 lose track of what the film actually should be. Based in yeah, they often they often very very much focus on those tiny little details, but then don't get the themes. Exactly. I got really frustrated in that thread too. Is that people were like saying, trying to defend like the idea of like still reviewing films while walking out, and they're like, well, it's like if you got like a like a good like a meal and it was bad, are you gonna finish the meal? It's like that's not how films work. There's themes and storytelling and arcs and this is a three act structure that generally follows and seems to happen. Like I pointed mm. out, like someone could say, I saw 20 minutes of Shawshank Redemption. I thought it was shit. My opinion is just as valid as your opinion. Like, yeah. Like any film where someone walks out of a movie before they finish it should, the whole review should be, I walked out. I didn't like it. Here's why I didn't like what I saw. I walked out. And that should be it. You shouldn't be able to give a sweeping generalization about the film. You should just start and end with, I walked out of this film. Which you would don't like kind it, of immediately fine. invalidate your your perspective on that, though. Wouldn't mm-hmm. it? At least I would be say, <laughs> I would say it would offer perspective that you didn't like the film. And that's all I gotta say. I don't think anything, but again, it's not insightful about the film. It's just stating, I did not like this film. I walked out. And then that's the end of it. That's when we cut it off. It's mm-hmm. like, anything more than that, it's like, well, that's not really a good review of the film. It's just, you know, what it it's, is. It's bad film criticism. Exactly. Which is, there's a lot of. <sighs> I think a lot of these people have not. I think the problem with the YouTubers taking off is a lot of them didn't need to, like, actually study film mm-hmm. to get to where they are. All they have to do is go in front of a camera, point out weird inconsistencies um, in a movie, and it's usually just logical things that don't that don't matter in the grand scheme of things. And then they can like pop it onto YouTube if they have a good enough voice or decent enough editing skills. Or mm. for some reason, a personality that just clicks yeah. that can like wave over their actual skills as a, as a writer, uh, which yeah. I think a lot of those people are just are just shit writers. Uh, well, like, let's also be, let's also be fair it, here. It's not like uh, even great reviewers have weird reviews. There no, was a that's clip true going, too. <laughs> there was a clip going viral of uh, Siskel and Ebert, where Roger Ebert was praising. Home Alone 3 is the best entry in the film. And Gene Siskel's just staring at him like, what are you, out of your mind? <laughs> and it's I like was, they went I, viral I was, on Twitter recently. Yeah, no, it's some, they have some weird takes. Like, oh, either yeah. they have, like, really insightful takes or just some weird baffling ones. Like, oh, like I found the review for uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, um, and Siskel was, like, I think his complaints was that, like, he just didn't think the Muppets worked in it, which is like a weird, I don't really? know. He That's said odd. like, he, he did praise Michael Caine for his performance, but he just didn't think like any scene with the Muppets worked, which to me, that movie is kind of a perfect blend of that. You know, it knows exactly when to like, it, it knows like exactly how to be like emotional because you have such a phenomenal actor as Michael Caine. Um, like making a grounded role that allows the Muppet characters to make it a uh, a much more um wider audience appeal, I suppose. You know, agreed. And no shade against Tim Curry, but there's a reason why more people talk about Muppets Christmas Carol than Muppets Treasure Island. I mean, it's I mean, it's Kane like pulling like like one of the best Scrooge performances. Like yeah. it's just just like you take him out of that. Like if you just watch the scenes with him in that movie, it's like you you could be watching just a straight up like Christmas Carol adaptation. It's just the fact that they use the Muppets in a way to make it more um palatable for a lot of people mm. to like digest that story. And there's um, so and I, much intensity in that film too. Like some of the songs are re- are really powerful. Whereas 
as much as I love Muppets Treasure Island, it is a very silly movie. Like, it's very goofy, and it knows it, and it embraces that goofiness. But, um, Treasure Island's also a sillier book. <laughs> you know, it, it's a, it's not that edgy of a book, whereas A Christmas Carol is a very dramatic story about pain, loss, regret, mourning of, of what once was, uh, isolation, and the effects of greed. You know, and there's so much in that story that makes it very in-depth and deep, despite being so short. Like have have you ever read a Christmas Carol, the original um, Charles Dickens book? Uh, I have I have not actually. Mm. Oh, uh, it's a short read. You can read it in like it. Honestly, like most of the adaptations cover every plot point because it is that tightly written. And sometimes they just take the script, and that's just the they take the the dialogue, and that's just the script of the movie. I mean the. In, again, in Muppet Christmas Carol, uh, they read passages from it. Oh, no. Not just that. Yeah. The dialogue is from the book, too, in a lot of cases. Oh, that's even, true, yeah. Even some of the goofier lines, they're from the book, which is wild. Uh, I I do – I I think I actually might think that's my favorite Muppet film. Yeah, that's up, that's up there for me. I think that might be it. That might be it. That might be the best one, in my opinion. Like, but – I, also I still think the original it. Muppet movie is great, but oh, I yeah. don't think it's nearly as, um, I guess, well-constructed a film, if that makes sense. Does Dark Crystal count as a Muppet film? I don't think so, because I feel like that's that's sort of like a Henson puppetry sort of thing. Like, yeah, that's I feel like thing. there's a difference between the Muppets, which is like the characters like of the Muppets, right? Like the ones that we know, that little sort of comedic world versus mm. Henson's uh, creativity with like the Dark Crystal, which yeah. I think um, I think um, I think the Dark Crystal film is probably the most impressive puppetry film. Um, but as a I think, as a story, it's kind I of think, weird. I think it's a very great concept, but because it has to be under like an hour and a half and has to like sort of fit into that typical frame like there wasn't there wasn't much to explore like i can imagine Mm. like a longer film could have fleshed out those issues which is what i think the tv show which fucking netflix canceled um i was gonna say would you say a a netflix tv show would work better with that concept and it did that that show was better than the movie like in terms of storytelling um i still think there's like there's a gorgeous beauty to like Dark Crystal that I think is totally worth watching and analyzing because technically that film is incredible. The detail they put into the work and the puppetry and the set design, um, it's, it's like kind of gorgeous to watch. But the, um, but the show was like, it took that and then kind of like made it, made it a much more lived in, like breathed in world. A lot more, um, I, and I think that helped, what helps is expanding the characters that you follow, the protagonists. Um, oh, 100%. Yeah, I think, I I still am shocked that we even got that show. Like a full hour long, several, was it eight, or was it ten I episodes? It was, I think it was eight episodes, I want to say. Eight, I, eight episodes. It's a while. Hour long television show with puppetry in like 2020, was it one? 2020? I thought it was 2016, 2017, I thought. Wasn't that, was that? Um, I thought it was like, time. it's between those two dates, know that. Okay, okay, let me look I'm it up. I'm going to cheat and find out. It was um, 2019. 2019. Okay, so we were kind of both wrong. There you go, that's how it be. <laughs> that's how it be sometimes. That's 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 how it do be. Indeed, indeed. Honestly, though, it, it's such a good series. But like again, that, that's a testament to Jim, Jim Henson's like creativity and genius and the tragedy of his early passing. Honestly. Um. Yeah, Henson is one of my all-time <clears throat> favorite um like artists. Like I think he's his talent, his passion, and stuff is. Is fascinating. The more you learn about him, the more fascinating a figure he becomes. Um, it, it's, not a perfect man, but no, no. 
um, certainly a genius and certainly someone who I could tell cared, you know, um, he he made mistakes in his life, but he did, he did, he, I, I would say that his, his like sort of like legendary status is earned. Um, and I think his, his heart was always in the right place. And I think it even overstepped some of the faults that he had. Agreed. Like his personality, his 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 commitment to his art is uncompromising. He was committed to making great art, and I think that's there's a reason people love his work to this very day. I think, yeah, um, in a way that's different than say like something more corporate like Disney. I agree with you there. There was there was definite passion. Mm. Um, um, I watched a little video which I'll share to you on TikTok. Uh, it's from this content, the creator, I don't know her name, but they, the show that she runs is called The Breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talked about, she basically did a whole like explanation on how the rainbow connection came to be. Mm. Um, and it was really fascinating. And like the point that, that Henson was trying to do was get, get like a talented enough, you know, like get a song that, that would like articulate to the audience the you know the I want song in a musical right mm. um I found that really fascinating I'll send it to you I think you'll you'll you'd like I mean, you might know yeah you might know all the information but the way that it's edited together is nice to hear again you know mm. there was a really good video series about from I think by Defunct Land about Jim Henson and his body of yes. work that was really interesting it's like a yeah. series of videos and they're all very like well researched and like really detailed in a way it's really great I love it. I mean, Defunct Land's one of the best cre- content creators. There's no Easily. doubt. Easily. Easily. But yeah, no. Uh, so all better, by the way, than than a certain other YouTuber we discussed. Yeah, and H Bomber guy released his big video, which I haven't seen yet. I was actually currently going through. Oh um, my god, that video! I'm convinced I might have gotten ripped off by that guy. Uh, the guy he talks about in the video, not H not H Bomber guy, but the um, James Summerton. <laughs> who has since nuked his entire social media online presence. presence. Oh, Jeez. it's all gone. All of it's gone. So I can't even fact check. Because I was going through a couple of them, and I was thinking, like, because I've watched a few of his videos before, and I've always thought, like, that sounds familiar. Like, I, I, I've always felt like, I, I feel like I've, I've read that somewhere before. Oh, he's just citing sources, whatever. But, like, no, because, and I know for a fact he probably was going to rip me off, because one of his next videos was going to be on, uh, was going to be a queer reading of Evangelion, a topic oh, that wow. I have written extensively about. I am cited on like ten different Wikipedia pages about Ava because I've written so freaking much about Ava, um, which is bizarre because he doesn't seem to know anything about anime. Um, there was a a post I was reading on Twitter. Uh, I think the YouTuber Emily the Great Emily uh, the Great posted something about this where she was saying that she was watching a stream James Summerton was doing where someone asked him if uh, he was going to talk about Ronma one half. Very famously, Ronma one half, oh. it's either, people always call it either Ronma one half or Ronma half or something like that. There's usually just two or three ways to talk about it. And he, and he read the comments saying, oh, are you going to talk about Ronma one two? Oh, I I saw that. I'm just like, <laughs> what are you doing? Ranma one two. Please tell me, tell me you don't watch anime in what's the what is, what is the show about? What is this Ranma one two about? <laughs> no self-respecting like... gay anime fan should be should watch Ranma one. Should be an anime fan, not what Ranma one half is about. Yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty basic. It's like next like well known anime. Oh yeah, and and he's gonna like talk about and he talked about stuff like Attack on Titan, and he made some basic errors about Yuri on Ice that I find like very frustrating for someone who's supposed to be so well researched. Like basic errors, like the whole dumb rumor about Yuri on Ice has always been that the reason they don't explicitly have more homoerotic imagery in the series was because of the time slot. 
And the argument is always that, like, oh, because Yuri and Ice aired too early in the afternoon, they couldn't show more explicitly queer stuff, which, you know, sounds nice unless you know that Yuri and Ice aired at 2.30 in the morning and not in the afternoon at all. So this law that they're referring to didn't actually apply to Yuri and Ice. And also that Yuri and Ice is pretty explicitly canonically queer. Like, they kiss on TV halfway through the show. Just saying. Wow. Just because they don't, like, you don't see the lips touch doesn't mean they aren't kissing. It's pretty explicit. It's not, uh, yeah. it's not subtle. I'm sure it's not banana fish levels of unsubtle, but, you know, still. Oh, wow. Um, I need to see. I've, I have a severe lack of seeing a lot of anime. Crystal, and I've been meaning to Crystal, are you, are you confessing to me right now you've never seen Yuri on Ice? I've never seen Yuri on Ice. I've never seen the Evangelion. Okay, that, okay, okay. Okay, both of those hurt me on a deep spiritual level, but I'm going to let that slide for now. You're going to basically do the uh, Clockwork Orange on me on one of these days, right? Oh, I'm going to go to your, you go to where you live. I'm going to strap you down, and I'm going to make you watch Evangelion and Yuri on Ice with like the and I'm watching it and I'm with, like the corniest scratching with the corniest scratching like lid holders. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't because that sounds painful. I'd rather you enjoy the experience and feel like you're being, like, dragged into, like, a living inferno. That's true. Uh, mm. But I I will definitely watch that. And then I'm going to be honest. So I've never seen a single episode or even part of an episode of One Piece, but I've watched the whole live-action show on Netflix. Okay, One Piece is weird because... As, as amazing I'm going to tell you, I think, I think the show... The live action show, I thought it was phenomenal. I, it's I, a great I series. I thought they did such a great job of it. I, I, I did not know what to expect, <laughs> and then saw the praise for it. I'm like, okay, I'll try it out. And now I'm like, yeah, do I have to devote time to see the actual anime now? I would <laughs> recommend reading the manga. <coughs> Sorry, over reading the, um, watching the anime because the manga is because the anime has, has to keep up with the manga. So there's some scenes that are a little drawn out. Hmm. For One Piece, it's one of those shows, where, stories where the manga is the preferable format to read it in. Huh. Um, in my opinion. Uh, I will also say this. If you start reading One Piece, it becomes a full-time job. There's <laughs> so much of that story. Okay, then yeah, I'm not going to have time to do that. <laughs> like, it's over a hundred volumes now. It's over a thousand-something chapters. It is massive. But it's worth it. It's incredible if you take it bit by bit. You just gotta digest it slowly. Like don't don't dive in all the way. Don't don't go too quick. Just you know take it bit by bit. Um, I will also say on the topic of live action anime. I have not seen the Yu Yu Hakusho live action yet, though I am I cautious. What? Oh no, I I haven't I haven't either. Oh oh, I am nervous about that because Yu Yu Hakusho is my all time favorite shonen manga anime. Hmm. Uh, actually, Yu Yu Hakusho is a show where the preferred format, in my opinion, is the anime, especially towards the end, because the ending of the manga is not good. Uh, that sucks. Well, it's because of the of Tagashi, the creator. He um famously has these serious health problems that got in the way that make make it painful for him to actually do art. Oh, um, well, I guess that his, makes sense. His health problems really kicked in in the the last arc of the manga. To the oh, point sure. where, like, his art deteriorates in quality because he's in so much intense pain. Um, and it's really sad. It's, it's awful. It's not It's not a good reason why the manga failed at the end. But, like, the anime... Yeah, it, it's awful. But the anime smooths out some of the errors or some of the, the shortcomings. And in a way, that feels very successful. That's um, good. But it, it, it's very unfortunate how that turned out. Uh, but he did get married to the to the woman who created Sailor Moon, so I guess there's that. He, well, that works out then. Yeah, <laughs> that works out. 
Uh, you know, that, that, it, it, there, 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 there's pluses and minuses to every situation. That's true. Um, I do have a adaptation, anime adaptation. There's one anime adaptation that I actually have a strong opinion of, um, oh. into live action. Mm-hmm. I, I hate the live action American Ghost in the Shell film. I think it's, same. It's, I think it's such a soulless adaptation. Uh, and I could see someone on the surface who maybe have not seen Ghost in the Shell, like possibly getting some enjoyment out of it. Yeah, but as someone a who, who loves the original film so much, it's one of my favorite films. It angers me because it's it's like they looked at it, they copied it, like some of the shots, and then they didn't understand what it was about. Agrees, hundred percent. Like, and I'm just so angry. They did so many things wrong in that one. And then they, the worst thing, and nobody brings this up, but I actually think this is horrible. Not, not just the fact that they kind of whitewashed the main character, which. Already I guess it's weird. It's weird. It's not the, it's not the worst potential thing because they do have the in-universe explanation of like the, you know, like a bot, a lot of the point being the body is not like the holy, temple like your soul and who you are is a little bit more important that's a big theme of that storyline um but to like make a movie where the big twist reveal is that scarlett johansson's character the major was actually a japanese person and then went into a new body that's quote-unquote considered better a white woman uh yeah 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 and it's not yeah. the major doesn't body swap in the manga and anime. She does. The end of the first film ends with her going into the body of like a little girl, essentially. Yes, yeah. But yeah, like, that's true. but like, there at least there's no illusion that one is better than the other. It's that it's just a temporary holding cell, basically, until she gets her body put together again. And like, I'll say this also: the anime is not a faithful adaptation of the manga. In terms of tone. I'm not sure. Well, the manga is more comedic. Oh. And I think the anime works better as a result of choosing to avoid the more comedic. So the scene where the the garbage man finds out that his entire life is like a lie, Mm -hmm. in the anime, it's this really dramatic, disturbing scene. Yeah, it's pretty horrific. And then in the manga, it's it. played as a joke. Oh, it's a joke in the manga. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, they even cut back. At, the, the last part of that chapter is even like the guy coming back to work and the, his coworker going like, "Hey, I heard you. Uh, <laughs> I heard you had a wife or something." It's like really weird. I, I don't. It's one of those scenes where I'm like, "That's really." It, maybe it was a good idea to, to, to shift the adaptation slightly in, in that regard. Like, there's some clever, smart decisions with the Ghost in the Shell anime that make it work better than the I mean, the that Elevate. film is, is kind of a probably one of the greatest anime films ever made. I think it's a masterpiece in a lot of ways. I think yeah. it's smart and interesting and it's gorgeous to look at. It takes a, it gives the audience time to breathe in the, the, the world and the environment mm. that you're put in. Um, I like 100%. the griminess of it. I like I, that it feels sturdy in a lot of ways. It's very sad. It's a very yeah. sad movie, which I think works really well. I find it interesting how you have Ghost... It was in a couple of years of each other. You had Ghost in the Shell, Princess Mononoke, and Perfect Blue, which are, in my opinion, three of the best anime films ever made. Oh, they're all great. Yeah. All within a couple of years of each other. And I think they're phenomenal movies, all of them. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm also a huge Perfect Blue fan. Oh, that movie's fantastic. There's something so haunting about that movie, like so incredibly haunting. I think it's definitely the scariest anime I've ever seen. Uh, in terms yeah. of just like disturbing, you know. It gets under your skin. That's a tough one. I will say this also in terms of live action anime. Going back to that topic. The only other one I've seen that I would say is really good, aside from One Piece, is uh, Alita Battle Angel. Oh, I did like Alita. Yeah, yeah I like Alita I like quite that a bit. Movie. That one's really good. Um, I think it like really gets the tone of the original too. Like, 
Because like, well, it's written by Cameron, right? Yeah, you know, Cameron yeah. produced it. I think he wrote like one script, and Robert Rodriguez took over. But like the thing is, like Alita: Battle Angel is not a particularly deep story. I mean, there's depth to it, but it's not like it's not Ghost in the Shell. No, it's like, not Ghost in the Shell. It's it's definitely not. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a lot of themes to it, and I really like some of them. It's honestly a very leftist series in a lot of ways, <laughs> dealing with class disparity and like uh, abuse, exploitation of power. There's a lot going on there. But um, it's not. I mean, it's not as why, existential. Uh, I mean, maybe that's why. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Cameron likes it. Yeah, well, it, it's a lot of Cameron's. I think it, it gets a lot of Cameron's interests. I think. Uh, I, I think, think so. Battle Angel Little is fantastic. Um, I think Alita Battle Angel the the adaptation is really good one. Um, I think other it was good, really good too. I liked it. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And there are other good adaptations of anime or live action, but those, I think, are the two ones that stand out the most to me. Yeah, they, uh, I, I agree <coughs> with you. I think I'm, I'm amazed One Piece, One Piece worked as well as it did. Mm. Like, you would think a live action adaptation of that could, like, fail because of how, like, out there One Piece is. Yeah. Like, I have um, no faith. What, I had no faith in it whatsoever, especially after uh, Cowboy Bebop. Um, yeah. I thought about watching the Cowboy Bebop show only because I like uh, John Cho, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. It's well casted. It's just the problem is the script direction and uh, story. That's a shame. Like, everyone um, in it is doing a good job with what they're given. The problem is they're yeah. not given much. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how they just pulled off One Piece, though. I feel like... That easily could have fallen flat on its face, but it's it's so fun. Like well, the big thing is that Oda was involved. Oh, okay, yeah. They had the original creator involved, and that that helps steer the ship. That makes sense, and the cat, the obviously cast is great too. Honestly, all the other people they cast for it were great. Hundred percent. Luffy was Luffy. Yeah, Luffy he, was Luffy. <coughs> he was perfectly cast. He was, like, perfect for that role. Uh, but they all were, I would say. Yeah, I agree. Um, did you see the... I just discovered the uh, that somebody recreated the 4Kids dub rap intro using the live-action footage from the show. Uh, I is, don't know if I ever want to see that. I'm still... Listen, I still am haunted by that rap. I will. I will... My my spouse to this day has never actually seen any One Piece except for the Four Kids dub, and that that funk slaps though. It's it's so bad. Oh my god, I couldn't. I just couldn't. It's so terrible. I don't know. I actually <coughs> kind of dig it, but I dig it in the same way that like it's ironically fun. You know. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. That, that one, that one, get, I, I just can't with the, I don't know if I'm going to agree with you on that one. I, I just cannot with the four kids. Four, like, that to me is like, I mean, I, I can deal with a lot of four kids stuff. I, I'm fine with Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, all that. But when it comes to, like, their One Piece adaptation, oh, I, I just can't. I mean, if I'm with the Deke dub of Sailor Moon to an extent, but I can't do it with, but the four kids One Piece stuff, I, I just, that one is like a deep-seated like frustration for me personally. <laughs> it's like of all the shows you choose to adapt, you choose One Piece, and you're like, we can't have any guns or swords in the pirate show. We can't have them smoke cigarettes in the show about pirates. But one of the main characters smokes constantly. Like it's not. It's not simply. We're going to turn all the rice balls into jelly donuts. It's like, no, no, we have to, like, fundamentally alter the chemistry of this series for this to function. <coughs> I just cannot. Uh, that and the card captor uh, uh, attempt really bug me. Because they fundamentally alter the chemistry of the show. No, no, I've, I've, I, 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 yeah, I've heard as much. I would never watch the, the four kids dub of that yeah but i don't mind seeing i don't mind seeing the intro because it's silly valid i'll I'll grant you that 
like me, it's it repeats actually memories. Ah, uh, it's a little bit traumatic. To me, I have yeah. no memories of it, so it's I've got no emotional. PTSD. Yeah, it's like being a, it's like being a veteran, a Vietnam veteran into like a jungle and saying, "Hey, buddy, do you want to ha- want to hear some loud music and just play like a, a soundtrack of bombs blowing up around them?" In the oh jungle? no, that's horrible. That that's the equivalent of one piece. Listen, that's not true. One piece is not is not Vietnam flashbacks, but it's not it's not good either. Is what I'm getting. At. The four kids, not the. So is, wait, you're saying it's somewhere between Vietnam flashbacks and good. Like, it's just somewhere in between. It's, it's between Vietnam flashbacks and mild irritation, the four kids one piece. <laughs> it's in that ra- in that very tight range, you know? In that spectrum. <laughs> yeah, between, like, full-blown war flashbacks and mild frustration. Somewhere between those two extremes. Ah, <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. Hannah uh, do I can't do the four, four, kids. four kids one piece. Yeah, but the regular the one piece. Need the manga. Uh, if I get a chance, uh, mm. I'm currently in the middle of an anime. I'm watching Scott Pilgrim takes off. Oh, uh, about yes. five episodes in, I think. Mm-hmm. So I was. Uh, that shows great so far. Oh yeah, shows great so far. It's fun. Fantastic. It's funny. Uh, the cast is great. Hearing them reprise their roles is fun. Uh, I like the changes in the story and the script. Mm. I my I was like looking down at my phone when I started an episode today, and then all of a sudden I hear Weird Al's voice coming out of my speakers. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can we back that up a bit? Yeah. Al, you're in this. He's in everything, don't you know? He is in everything. He's he's he's. If you ever follow his Twitter account, sometimes it's just him going, oh, yeah, I was on this show, and you post a clip of, clip of the show that he's in. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I hear it. his voice. Like, to me, like, you play his voice, I'm like, that's so – he has a distinct voice. Like, I can recognize that from a mile away. 100%. 100% agree with that. It's like he he's just – he is he is a character. He's like a living cartoon character, I feel like. I've met him a few times. Uh, he's very sweet, uh, which I've is heard. Cool. And I've he's heard. Um, far more reserved than you would think. I can see that. I can see that. He was, I met, um, he's more like, he's like nice, but he's also like, hey, how's it going? Oh, nice. Thank you. You know, like, like yeah. very, very calm. And he's also older, I guess. But <laughs> he has to be like in his 60s now, right? Or 70s. Yeah, he's in his 60s, I think. Oh, my goodness. And he was still doing tours and stuff. So, um, but his last tour was the, uh, hold on to your hats for the name of this one that I went to, uh, the ridiculously ill-advised self-indulgent vanity tour. Uh, hmm. Yeah, that sounds the, right. That tour was amazing because, uh, that tour famously, he plays no parody songs. The entire tour is his original songs from all of his albums. Oh, wow. That's a selection. uh, Honestly, it's amazing, because some of the best stuff he's written has been originals. Uh, It just gets overlooked by the parodies. Uh, Yeah. But if you're a hardcore fan, like, getting to hear Albuquerque, if you're familiar with Albuquerque, uh, not only he does the full version of that, he does an extended version of it. Uh, where he adds new lyrics and stuff. It's oh incredible. There's, what you're saying a... is, it sounds very <laughs> indulgent of his own... Uh... <laughs> I'm yes. kidding, kidding. The Vanity Tour, yeah. And the, that show also um, cut back on the spectacle. He doesn't do costume changes. It's kind of just him and the band <laughs> on the stage. Which is... Mm. Uh, but, like, when you go to it, like, it's, a, it's still a standout show. Like, he probably sounded the best he's ever sounded when I went. So it's probably because he's doing things that he really wants to do. Mm. Uh, uh, it's it was great. So if they ever do that again, you should see it if if you're into. But uh, yeah, I might be I, down I don't for that. Wanna, no, uh, I don't don't no. I, I would be down for that. That sounds fun. It is fun. Um, I know you said I think I think at this point ending on a positive note and talking about Weird Al when we yeah, started negative. 100%. I think is I think is a great place to uh, leave this on. 
So, you only go downhill from from Weird Al after that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You you meet you know we reached the limit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, with that, would you like to tell everyone where they can find you? Yes, of course. You can find me on Twitter, TikTok, Blue Sky uh, at A G R A M U G L I A. Uh, A-G-R-A-M. Oh, so basically my name with an A. Well, I say with an A in front of it. Uh, I'm also going to be, I'm also hard at work right now on a YouTube video essay that hopefully will be out maybe in conjunction with this podcast release. Who knows? We'll find out. Depends on how fast I can edit this thing because I uh, am not hiring an editor. I'm doing it myself and I'm hoping it works out. <laughs> you got this. I believe in um, you. And definitely watch that I will plug it, even if you're not on the episode. Um, I will plug that when it's dropped. So hell yeah, I would um, appreciate that. I appreciate Crystal. Of course. Um, you can follow me at on Twitter at Crystal W Rocks, and I have a link tree in the bio there. And you can go to all my other links, including going to my Medium account where I write articles every so often. So, but uh, with that being said, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the Galaxy Kingdom Podcast. Thank you, Anthony, for being back on. We love you. We love you, audience. Have a nice day. See you next time. Goodbye, everybody.